All right, welcome back to the Foul Balls Hockey Podcast. I'm here with John Borelli breaking down this Thursday night slate. And we have some really, really strong spots here. There's maybe two or three games where there could be a ton of goals for one side. One really interesting potential fade that probably could come back to bite us, and it's a team that's been incredibly hot lately. So we'll get to that. But John wanted to talk a little bit of general strategy before we get into the game. So what was it that was on your mind, John? I just wanted to talk about in terms of when you're sending tournament lineups for a big slate like tonight. You know, we have a ton of over-unders of six. We have one of an over-under of 6.5. And it's just going about setting tournament lineups in hockey, uh, whether it's it's slate dependent. So I've mentioned it before. When there's there's so many uh, good lines going, I I really just try to focus on uh, the first lines of each team instead of trying to you know, to pick which second or potential third lines could be sneaky. You really want to focus on ice time, and you really want to focus on power play. Um, the, the first thing I'm going to look for is who's going to score the hat trick of the night, and, and that's what I want to set my lineups around. Um, when taking down a tournament, yeah, and, and for anyone who's been playing hockey in general or so far this year, uh, usually the person who gets the hat trick is, you know, towards the top, and that's pretty, it seems pretty obvious to say, but... Um, the first line, you know, you, you definitely want multiple goal production, and, and that's where the stacking comes from. So, in the second line on a slate like tonight, you do want multiple goal production as well, at least at least one one line goal. So, when I'm creating a tournament lineup, I want both of my. I'm looking at both lines, and I'm thinking to myself, which line can put up two goals, and I'm trying to pair those lines appropriately. Makes sense, makes sense. I guess it is hard to figure out which players are going to end up with hat-tricks. I mean, there, there have been a bunch this year, and they usually are some of the better players. John Tavares was in all of the winning lineups the other night. He had three goals against the Coyotes. I, I get your point, even though it's very rare that you're going to be able to guess right on which player has a two- or three-goal night. It doesn't need to be the one guy scoring three goals himself. If, if the line creates three goals for the night, that usually is enough to net some pretty substantial profits, even though even if it is three different players on the same line scoring. So you are just looking for upside there. Um, but we do have to factor in ownership too. So I guess where do you draw the line with number of games on the slate where you stop really looking at ownership? Because if, if every team was in action, if there were 15 NHL games on a given night, then you wouldn't really need to worry about ownership. It would get diluted by having so many games. And then on two or three game slate, it becomes almost entirely about game theory, in my opinion, because just everyone's doing the same things. You need to figure out a way to differentiate yourself from the field, and that's where you use the second or even the third line of a team. So on a mid-sized slate, how much are you really looking at ownership? You know, you're exactly right. And on a mid-sized slate, let's say eight games, um, and it depends on, let's say, if the Kucherov line is going or a Cosby line is going. Um, just the construction, it's just like you said, it's a completely different mindset and just trying to have unique lineups. Um, yeah, so, I mean, medium-sized sites, you're, you're really just trying to differ- differentiate your, your lineup with, with someone else. So that's but just like you said, going to second or third lines. And honestly, it, it's, it's hard to say exactly because it really does depend on, on which teams are going and which spots. And, and you know, the, the, the crowds are always going to favor you know, the, the, the best going lines that are all on power play one. All right, so I'm going to start us on the game that should have the highest ownership just because I think it it's the most relevant to what we're talking about. So Tampa Bay is at home tonight against the Red Wings. The Red Wings are pretty bad. The Lightning have been 
arguably the best offensive team in the NHL this year. They have two of the highest scoring players with Stamkos and Kucherov. So those guys definitely will be at least among the highest owned players. I'm going to guess that they are the two highest owned players uh, with Kucherov probably being at the top. So it's a good spot for Tampa, but they are priced up quite a bit. Uh, I'm checking again what exactly they are at. But Stamkos is 7,700. Kucherov is all the way up to 8,200 now. I think that's about 500 to 1,000 more than what they cost two weeks ago at the beginning of the season. So they're expensive, and I think everyone will be on them. So I, I feel like if you were playing cash, if you're playing cash lineups for hockey, you could definitely use those guys. But for tournaments, I don't think that there's a ton of value in going with them when everyone in the field will have them. And it is possible they have an off night, and they actually did have an off night for almost the entirety of their last game against Carolina, where they were up 2-1 with about three minutes left. And they scored two empty net goals. It's unfortunate with Carolina because they're they're a very strong analytics team. And because of that, they know to pull their goalie much earlier than other teams do. And they ended up giving up two empty netters, and then Kucherov scored in the last minute after uh, Scott Darling was put back in the net, actually. So it was a five-goal game for them when they basically didn't do anything the entire night. Uh, so the results were there, but they didn't actually play well. And my point with all of that is it, it is possible for them to not play well. So are you comfortable not using Tampa, or do you think you'll have some exposure to them? You know what? I'm off, I'm off Tampa tonight. I'm off Tampa one tonight, that's for sure. You know, they, if they can, at, at that price, they can still put up, you know, maybe one or two goals, and it's not going to kill you, you know? And then and, and one of my favorite moves so far this year is playing the plot line. They're all on power play, too. They have great chemistry. Andre Pilat is... is, is Falling out there, he's, he's out there putting shots on net, setting people up. Uh, I watched the last game, and and they're just making moves, and they're just such a cheap line that you're getting that exposure of that over under that is 3.3 tonight, which is generally generally pretty high. But in this spot, I thought it'd be a little bit higher. Um, so you're still getting that exposure to, to Tampa Bay's offense, and you're able to pair that with anything, whether it's a Crosby, whether it's a Sheffley, or whether it's uh, you know McDavid. So you know what? I'm actually actually I'm on Tampa, but I'm on Tampa too. So I know you've made this this same argument a few times this season, but Tampa actually, last game and the game before against Pittsburgh, their second line did start to see a little bit of an uptick in ownership. So I think the plot line in the uh, big $4 tournament on DraftKings, they were around 10% each, or plot might have been 15 and the other guys were in the 5 to 10 range. So I don't think you're getting them at really low ownership. But I do think that it's a much better play than the top line. So I'll have zero of the Stamkos-Kucherov line. And then I think just a little bit of exposure to Point and Pilat and Gord. Because I, I do think that they'll be fairly popular, just a lot less popular than the Stamkos line. Yeah, you know what? And the ownership, you know what? People are noticing that as well. But on, a, on an 11-game slate, I don't think it's going to be as high as we think. And it's funny because I just contradicted myself in saying stick to the first lines that are all power play. But in a situation like this with the best offensive team in the league, uh, you, you can't face the two on a, on a big slate like tonight and, and still feel pretty comfortable about it. Yeah, and they also are incredibly cheap, like you said. So that's that's the bottom line for me. I mean, and I do think that they'll be reasonably owned, but they're they're so cheap and they're very talented. So I'll, I'm comfortable using a little bit of them. Um, that's all I have for Tampa, I guess. Let's talk about players that we're actually going to be targeting from other games. So I'll start with uh, the earliest game on the slate. Not a game I have a ton of interest in. Um, the Bruins have had a couple monster games recently. It's, a, it's an interesting situation for them because they're a really good team, but Kadobin and Net is so bad. So 
I'm kind of going back and forth on deciding if I want Sharks exposure, but I think I'm off Boston, at least. Yeah, uh, Udoba's in that, and um, it's and, and I know San Jose is on the, on the tail end of a road trip, so I'm, I'm sure they'll be pretty tired. The one person who's been on fire on the Sharks is Logan Couture. Um, if you're doing a one-off, if you're doing you know a pair and, and, and someone one-off, I love Logan Couture, and he's always super low-owned because he plays in that second line with Carlson and, and Donskoy. Um, he's just a goal scorer. He plays in the power play. Uh, he puts a ton of shots up. He's also great defensively as well, but uh, neither here nor there. Um, he's been on fire. So, so that, that that's that's one person that I, that I do do like on, in in this game. Yeah, I think that makes sense. He does cost sixty seven hundred, so it might be a little bit hard to fit him. But I like the spot. I think Joe Thornton at forty seven hundred is worth consideration too. Both of those guys are on the first power play. So as one-offs, I think both of them make sense, but I probably won't be stacking this game. There are just better spots across the board. And then uh, the Bruins are really expensive. And I think they're, again, there are just better places to uh, pay up. All right. So moving on to our team, the Rangers, uh, Henry Lundqvist, not in net tonight. The Rangers do get the Coyotes, though. So this game has one of the highest over-unders of the night. It's at six. The Rangers are pretty big favorites. And the Rangers are priced up a little bit, but I do think there's value on both sides of this game. Zibanejad at 7,200 is a little expensive, but there's a lot of goal-scoring potential against the Coyotes, who have been terrible defensively, and they haven't even won a game yet. So the issue, though, is that the Rangers have mixed up their lines a ton. Zibanejad is not playing with Zuccarello. He's not playing with Kreider. The line is now Zibanejad with JT Miller and Rick Nash. Um, I like Nash a lot. He, I still don't think he's scored this season, but he's played really well and had a lot of scoring chances. So that line, I think, makes some sense. If I had to pick a player that I liked for his price the most, it's Nash. And then the top line in Arizona of Stepan, Domi, and Keller, they, they weren't playing together all year, but now they've, they've changed their lines around where their power play one guys are all in the top line. Those are probably their three best offensive players so I think the top lines for both of these teams make a lot of sense. Yep, I agree. Uh, Rangers over under 3.37, and uh, Coyotes, Coyotes over only 2.63. And the step-in line, uh, extremely cheap. And they, get a ton of, they get a ton of ice time, all play on power play one. And if you want to get, uh, get a little narrative play, and uh, Stepan is returning to Madison Square Garden. They just traded him away. Um, so, he, you know, he's, uh, he's definitely looking to put the puck in the back of the net. Um, Arizona is so tricky because they, they, they're always so cheap. They're so young. Keller's been great this season, but sometimes they can just not put up any goals or sometimes they can put up a lot. So I wouldn't be surprised. And we saw it the other night when, when you paired them with uh, the Berger online, you know, when they do hit and you pair it to the right chalk, you know, you're going to win a lot of money. Yeah. And the right chalk could be that Rangers top line. So I, I definitely have interest in putting these lines together in the same lineup, using the step-on line probably more overall than the Zibanejad line. And even though Arizona doesn't win games, they hopefully won't win their first game tonight as a Rangers fan, but they've scored a bunch of goals, so it's not like they don't score. They just are are really awful defensively. They've had some pretty bad goaltending. Their uh, starter, Antti Ranta, got injured in the first game of the season. So they have scored, though. They're... Um, I think they were in the winning lineups on two occasions already this year in games where they lost five to four and then probably six to three, I think. Um, so they, they do put up goals and uh, Clayton Keller especially is really talented and they just aren't priced up that much. The, the guys are a little bit more expensive than they were, 
I think Stepan's been at 5,000 all year, but Domi has gone up from in the high 3,000s to 4,500. Keller was in the mid 4,000s. Now he's 5,000. So there's a price increase, but it's a small one. Um, I think this probably is a better spot than the Tampa second line. It's a similarly priced line. So if you had to choose which cheap line you like better, would you, would you go with Arizona 1 or Tampa 2? You know what? Now that you're saying it, I am. Uh, I would favor Arizona one slightly, um, and, and it's because obviously they all play on the first power play. But uh, you know, Lumpus isn't in that either, so that that also makes it a little more favorable in terms of the spot that they're in. Uh, one one almost plug and play that I do love, and if, if you do want to get some exposure to the clarity, uh, Ekman Larson's dropped to 4,400. You know, he plays 20 minutes of ice time. He's on the first power play. He's had a little bit of a down year uh, in terms of production and points so far, but we we won't. Much longer. Yeah, Ekman Larson to pair with the first line yep. for sure is definitely a route I'll go because they're on the first power play line together. He's really talented. So agree with you there. And I think that's all I have for this Rangers game. So moving on, Jets at Penguins. Uh, it's six and a half total. And the Penguins are really big favorites. So, so this is another chalk spot. And the Penguins are also really expensive, just like the Lightning. Uh, they're one of the best offensive teams in the league just about every year. But I think I prefer the Winnipeg side. They're a lot cheaper, and there's a lot of goal output that you can expect from them too. So are you comfortable fading Pittsburgh, or do you think maybe because Tampa will be high-owned, it could be an opportunity to get Crosby and Malkin at, I guess, lower ownership? See, I actually I, I disagree. I think I think we're going to see a little little bit more ownership on Pittsburgh side than on the Tampa 1 side. Uh, the team over-under is 0.68. That, that's also just screaming at you that they're going to put up a ton of goals. They do score a lot on the power play. Sometimes it is spread out because they do have three great lines. So as long as, as, as we, if we do fade them and, and the production is spread out, you know, that, that, that's a total win for us. And I'm also more on the Jets side as well. Uh, like, uh, Patrick Lai, um, Ehlers, and Brian Little, they're actually the second line, but they would be a first line on pretty much any other team. Um, Great with uh, a puck, puck possession. Uh, Patrick Liney is, is one of the best shots and goal scorers in the NHL, and he's going to go off here at some point. Um, and when you put him with Ehlers and Little, that, that, that's a great mind. It is expensive. Uh, throwing Little in there makes it a little bit more affordable, um, but I definitely see at least one goal from that line tonight. Yeah, they are expensive, but they're a lot less expensive than the Penguins. And it's probably not a, that important of a distinction because the Penguins will be very high-owned. The Lightning will also be very high-owned. I think I'm comfortable fading both just because, like you said, even if they score a goal, it's they're so expensive that it's, it's not going to kill you if you don't have them. And also the scoring can be spread out too. So it's not like if the Penguins win the game 4-2 to two, that Crosby will definitely have three points out of their four goals. I probably won't use any Crosby. And I think, yeah, uh, exposure to the Jets' second line is probably the only route to go in this game. And then... Uh, a couple defensemen on Winnipeg, too, are fairly cheap. I probably won't use Dustin Bufflin, but Myers and Morrissey are cheap. So I think those guys are worth considering. And then uh, Ehlers, Laney, and Little, that, uh, that's a really strong line to target. Yep, and uh, Schultz, I believe Schultz had a concussion last game, so he's out on the back end for the Penguins as well. So that could also help the Jets, too. Yeah, the Penguins have really struggled defensively this year. So actually, I think the first line for Winnipeg is probably worth considering also. I think it's a, it's just a really strong spot for them. And I think for a team with as much goal expectation, uh, I think they'll also be fairly low-owned because of how, how much usage the other side of this game will get. So Winnipeg, uh, a lot of strong plays there. The next game is our sort of favorite team, 
Uh, the Hurricanes at the Leafs. So I have no interest in Toronto for this game. They have one of the uh, highest implied goal total, totals on the Vegas line. It's a six over under, and Toronto is minus 150. But there's actually a bunch of sharp action against them. So the line opened at minus 170 for Toronto. It's now only minus 150. Carolina seems to get sharp money every game. And they are a really good team. They just haven't been able to put the puck in the net for whatever reason. They're now mixing up their lines for the third or fourth time. And I think at the very least fade Toronto, but I also do think that the Carolina top line is cheap enough and talented enough that I would use some of them tonight. Yeah, you know what? I am fading Toronto tonight. They have a team over 3.27. Um, the first line has been frustrating for me so far. They all they all play on the first power play, even though they split time with the Jeff Skinner power play line. Uh, we were just talking before about, uh, you know, the last game they played, just watching their power play is just hard. They just can't seem to set up in the zone. And uh, Sebastian Ajo is one of the bright uh, young players in the league, and he has been not getting as much consideration players like Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. And as a, as a kind of you know, narrative play, at least in my in my own head, I see Sebastian Ajo coming out tonight and, and just coming out firing. Um, I do think he's going to get at least a point. I think this line is going to get at least a goal um, over under his six as a whole. Um, and, you know, they have been generating chances five on five. And I think Stahl, like, hit the post a couple times where Lynn Hall just not put it in. So, um, you know what? And, and we were also just talking about the frustration of deciding between the Skinner line and the Ajo line because the production could come from either one. Uh, but I do, I, I am on I am on Carolina one here more than more than. Yeah, that makes sense. I think you could double stack them and just go with all the Hurricanes, but I don't love the matchup enough to do that. I think using their first line mostly and then maybe throwing the second line into one lineup is probably the route I'll go. Um, I'm going to skip over the next game here. We talked about it before we started. Flyers-Senators, no real interest in that game at all. Has anything changed for you on that one? Uh, nothing, yeah. No, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid this one as well. All right, so now we get to talk about our favorite goalie, Carey Price at home against the Kings. Uh, Jeff Carter, I think, is still out, and Price actually had his first good game of the season the other night. The Canadians won 5-1. to one. Price played well, and he is the highest-paid goalie in the league. He was the best goalie in the league last year, and if he is anywhere close to his normal self, this is a really good spot for him, and he only costs, I think it's 7300 Just an absurdly low price for him. So you're getting Carey Price at an undervalued spot for sure, and if this early season slump is over, which maybe it isn't, but it might have just been a random fluke anyway that he was giving up so many goals, Price could be the goalie in all of my lineups. I think he's by far the best value. I think we, I've said it every slate where he's played, but uh, I feel much more confident about it now that he's actually had a good game under his belt. So are, are you on the same page with the goalie pick? You know what, I am. I don't feel as comfortable as it as, as you do. Uh, Montreal has been one of the worst teams in the league, and the Kings have been one of the best teams in the league in, in, in terms of points and in terms of standing. That being said, us and the rest of the NHL world are still waiting on the carry price, the actual carry price. So uh, we know he's going to show up here at some point. And why not tonight? Because the Kings are on uh, a road trip, and I think they played uh, three, I think it's their third game in their last four nights. Um, they're on the East Coast. Um, I think they head back after this game. So um, as long as uh, as long as you know Montreal can put up some goals, I know they've had a little uh, changing in their lines as well. Um, we can get the win there for Price, and he has been facing a lot of shots as well. So high upside, high upside play, low price. Let's let's uh, low price. Let, let's go with it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I 
usually will go with Montreal's offense too. I think that there's some value here, but there are a lot of better spots. So I think Jonathan Drew in as a one-off at 5,500 makes sense. Max Pacioretty finally scored a goal last game. He's 5,900 though, so a little pricey. Um, so I think Druin maybe with Lekkonen, who is a linemate that costs 4300 and also plays on the first power play. I think I would use those guys. Shea Weber's a little expensive, so probably not much interest in using Canadians forwards or defensemen, but Carey Price, definitely a strong play in that. Yeah, I agree. And until I see some consistent offense production from, you know, a set line in Montreal until they figure it out, I'm probably going to stay away. But I like the Druin one-off. I like that a lot. Okay, interesting game next on the slate. The Panthers at home against the Ducks. And this game doesn't have a crazy high over-under, but there are some really talented players on the first lines of both teams. So even though the overall scoring might not be that high, it probably will be concentrated in just a few players. I think that these teams are both pretty top-heavy. So I know we talked about this before we started. The Ducks may have a better chance to score goals on their top line than the Panthers do. I think it's close, but the Barkov line for Florida is much cheaper than the Getzloff line for Anaheim. So I lean pretty strongly on Florida here, and the Sharps in Vegas also really prefer Florida. The public is on Anaheim. So I think the Panthers probably will have lower ownership too. So I'm uh, I'm pretty high on Barkov, Huberdeau, Dadanov, Troshek on the second line who plays on the first power play, and then Keith Yandel on defense. Although they... I think it won't be Yandel for me tonight because the Panthers have actually switched up their power play unit where Ekblad is now playing with the first unit, Yandel's with the second. So I think it'll actually be Ekblad for me tonight on defense for Florida. Yeah, I usually like Ekblad better than Yandel in terms of one-offs when, when, when picking a defenseman from Florida. He throws up a bunch more shots. Um, Yandel was, you know, he was with the Rangers at one point and, you know, he was supposed to be this young offensive defenseman stud and, you know, hasn't really come to fruition yet. Um, but Ekblad has always been consistent. And is, uh, I feel much more of a goal scorer uh, instead of a setup man on the defensive side. Um, but kind of going back to what we were talking about before in the introduction, you know, these are, you know, the, the first lines of each of these teams are going to be seeing a ton of ice time, and, and, and the coaches are going to be focusing on them and relying on them. So, you know, the Barkoff line, just for their price and, 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 and getting the Ducks on the road and, you know, having Cam Fowler out, you know, I do see, I do see a lot of production. Um, through them, I, I do see a goal from that line tonight, potentially even two. Uh, they're cheap. You can pair them up, I think, even with the Crosby line. You can pair them up with the Jets. You can pair them up with maybe even the future offline and, and, and punt defensemen. So um, some good spots there for sure. Yeah, I'll say that Florida is my favorite cheap line. I know we've mentioned Tampa second line. We've mentioned Arizona. But the uh, Panthers aren't that much more expensive than those teams. Barkov, 5,800. Huberdeau, 5,700. Dadanov, 4,900. It's only marginally pricier, so I'll, I'll classify them as a cheap pick, and I think that they're definitely my favorite cheap uh, line to stack. Yeah and, the last thing, yeah, and the last thing I'll say about this game is, is Raquel Perry gets off. Great chemistry. Played all year together last year when they were healthy. Uh, I, live, I live out here in Southern California. I went to a, t- a ton of Ducks games. Love watching them play. All play on the first power play. Expensive line. If you want to pair that lineup with, with you know, a cheaper line and have a really unique lineup, that could, that could take down a tournament if they go off. So um, if I was creating multiple lineups, I would definitely use them in at least one. So two games, I think, to skip over again before we get to our favorite game of the night. The Islanders and the Wild. No real interest here. Uh, the Wild are pretty banged up, but... 
John Tavares is coming off a hat trick, so I imagine he'll be fairly popular. And there's just not there's not a lot of offensive talent on these teams outside of that. So I'm not going there. And then the Caps at the Canucks, not a terribly difficult road spot for Washington, but I don't think Nicholas Backstrom is expected to play. He's questionable right now with some undisclosed illness. So no interest for me in the Caps, the Canucks, the Islanders, or the Wild. So let's move on to the Oilers. Yep. All right, so the Oilers are at home against the Stars, who are one of the best teams in the NHL, but they're not very good defensively. Dallas is a very offense-oriented team. And the Oilers have a very key player returning from injury. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl actually played in their last game, but... They limited his minutes. He wasn't on the Connor McDavid line. Now he's up on the top line. So that Oilers top line, I think, may have the highest expected output of any line that's going tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm all over this line tonight. When, when Leon Dreisaitl started on this line in the first, I think it was the first night, I want to say, they scored a hat-trick uh, with Patrick Maroon. And uh, I think Connor McDavid's ownership is going to be down with over-unders in, in, uh, in very high places. Uh uh, like Pittsburgh and also places um, like Toronto. Uh, I, I, I'm just I'm all over this line. This line saw I want to say like something like 22 minutes of ice time uh, when when they were all together. The first couple games they played together. Edmonton as a whole, their offense has been really nowhere to be found, and they rely so heavily on this line that uh, I think there's been six goals scored that were um, that that were not Connor McDavid related. So um, just kind of focusing on this line and especially getting it at the ownership that we're getting late. Um, I'm all over these guys. I'm marrying them with all the cheap lines that we talked about. Um, they have the most shots in the league, but they also have the least amount of sports in the league. And this team was a favorite for not Yeah, your audio was cutting out at the tail end of that, so I'll just clarify your point. The Oilers were considered to be one of the Stanley Cup favorites going into the season. They haven't played well. Part of that is because Drysaddle's been out. So we, I think we'll get them in a bit of an undervalued spot. And then to throw in a couple more names, Latestu and Lucic, who play on the second line, both play on the first power play line, so scoring potential on power plays with McDavid. And then Clef Bamondi plays on the first power play. He's very talented, and playing with McDavid obviously helps. So... Those, I guess, six players, uh, the top line, Latesto and Lucic from the second line, and then Clefbaum, I think that those guys will be in the majority of lineups that I have for tonight. Yeah, I agree. And if you want kind of a uh, high upside goalie play, um, the Stars are uh, you know, very good offensively. They have their top line that does really, really well. Uh, I can see Cam Talbot getting a ton of shots again. And also, I think this is about banking for the Oilers. So uh, I do like Cam Talbot at 70. Yeah, it's uh, at, it is the same price as uh, as carry price, so I'm not sure if I'll use much Talbot, but at the very least, I think fading the stars here makes sense. Uh, they're just it, you're not going to be able to fit them with the Oilers, so if I had to choose, it's definitely Edmonton, and then uh, they're kind of too expensive. Um, I don't re- I don't really think this is the best spot for them because the Oilers are undervalued, like we said. So no Dallas for me, and uh, Edmonton. Favorite play on the slate for sure tonight. And I think I'll have a ton of lineups pairing them with Florida and then a bunch of the one-offs that we've mentioned. That's probably my wrap for lineup construction tonight. Yep, I agree. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Good luck in hockey tonight. And uh, we'll be back sometime soon with more NHL.